welcome to episode 70 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. That's you. <laughs> I'm your host, second technician, Fossil Forester, and joining me at LaveCon 2015, we have the wonderful Mr. Grant Psycho Cow Wilcott. Hello. We have the wonderful Ben Moss Woodward. Greetings, Father. And of course, the ever so evanescent Mr. John Virgo, aka Crash. He's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. And obviously, snicking in at just the last minute, we've got Mr. John Stabler. Hello. If you'd like to move to a station that has a microphone, that would be really helpful. Thank you, John. Okay, and last but not all least, we have the LaveCon 2015 crew! <laughs> Excellent, and we've got obviously the live people following us on Twitch as well, so welcome to everybody that's listening live on Twitch. Uh, the show this week is going to be slightly different, because obviously we are broadcasting live from Northampton at the LaveCon 2015 <sighs> event. Um, <laughs> What we're going to do for this show, we're obviously going to go through some of the development news that we've currently been going over in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then actually what we're going to do is we're going to throw it open to the audience. We're going to get a current state of development for the game. We're going to find out what people are loving, what people aren't loving quite so much. Um, and uh, we're going to actually sort of spitball that around. And then following this show, directly after the show, we've got the wonderful Frontier Development crew have come down to LaveCon 2015. Um, and they've got a Q&A panel, uh, which should be quite interesting. Um, we've also got a late arrival to the show, Mr. Alan Stroud, Chief Station Officer of Lave Station. Always got to make an entrance. Sorry, I, I, I had to have some lunch. You know, I'm a bit overbooked. And, and to be fair, um, as well as that, I did kind of think there's, there's quite a large station complement now, so I thought you'd probably be okay. Oh, well, there was plenty of bodies here, yeah. It's, it's just, you, know, you being the station commander and all, I thought well, you'd you make know, an appearance, gonna, that's you, all. You're going to get sick of my voice by the end of this weekend. I, you know, you get to no. hear me a lot. <laughs> so don't, you, you will. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, what we'll do is we will fire up... Grant, have, you, have we got adverts for this show? Um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent, we'll go to an advert and then we'll come straight back for the latest development news. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? What, what, what but with penisdating.com, it was so Same simple. As you always do. I just put in my personal details Are we being heard and they found the, me my perfect the, match. I really thought it would be difficult, but yeah. Venus dating made it so simple. Yes. Can you go see us over there? Yes. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset, browsing imperial shipyards, and of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love shooting thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. Yeah, because I've got a light shining on it, but I can't even read that screen. Excellent, and we are back. So the first thing we're going to talk about in the development news is the, uh, the David Braben interview that was on the uh, videogamer.com website. Now, Ben, I believe you had a quick go through this. Anything interesting to pick out? 
Uh, I think one of the things that really interested me about it was how David is just always looking forward. So you know, back in the day, he was trying to figure out how do we squeeze things onto the BBC or even onto the, the, you know, onto the NES, I think was his, his proudest thing, as he says. But nowadays, just looking to what's going to come along in the next thing. So for example, with the 4K or even 8K screen resolutions, but also with what they're doing with the oh the Xbox One and looking to use the oh the glass thing for virtual keyboards and stuff, which you know, I don't think any, I don't know if anyone else is doing that, but that sounds really awesome. That's the Microsoft Smart Glass, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So what sort of things are they actually suggesting that they can get out of um, uh, the Smart Glass with Elite Dangerous? Well, I know uh, that's one of the things they mentioned uh, for text input, for example, is very, very difficult on a, on a little joypad. Um, so that's one of the things that really, really helps that console experience. You can just have that right next to you. And even if you want to put it right next to where it is in the side. Maybe I'm being critical here. Is that not a massive cheat <laughs> to say that, you know, we, we're not going to uh, change the game interface for you because you're on a console. What you need to get is a, a separate uh, uh, Microsoft Glass structure and then you'll have a keyboard and that will work. Well, yeah, yeah, so you could look at it that way, but th th there needs to be a way of doing the input. You can do it without, you know, you can use the joypad, you have the usual kind of clicking around. I've, I've seen the odd high message of people on Xbox, <laughs> it's understandable really, like, uh, fiddling around, but and it's tricky. But what about, say, in the, in the Galaxy map, Sagittarius A is quite a lot of letters to put in on a, on a joypad. Sag A, that works. <laughs> Close enough. Then, don't they have... Uh, Microsoft gamepads with little keyboards on them anyway. Y yeah, you so can. So you could use that rather yeah. than using the glass thing, I guess. Yeah, you can use that as well. Yes, but plenty of options. Surely the biggest benefit of the sort of Xbox is the sort of voice recognition? So you really think that the, that the voice recognition is going to pick up Sagittarius A, do you? <laughs> or LS-6248219A? <laughs> if voice attack can do it, why can't they? True, yeah. True. It, it was one of the things uh, was mentioned. A lot of people were asking that uh, and whether they were going to have support for the connect and, and the voice recognition and all that stuff. It, it's not currently in there, but mm. I'm sure if Microsoft would like that to happen. Is it up to Microsoft to put it in there or is it up to Frontier? It, it's, it's more down to Microsoft allowing it to go in. Uh, well, doesn't, it, doesn't, it also come down to, doesn't it also come down to the fact that a game's resources are dependent on a game's purchases? So of course, you know, and I hate to, to kind of state the obvious, but the you know, it kind of needs to have a audience before you can enhance and improve it, particularly with this game, because this game is about kind of gradual release, gradual development, and that that requires buy-in, and if there is buy-in by not just Microsoft but also because you know, we can talk about the publishers and we can talk about the design, you know, the game manufacturers and what have you. But it's also about us and it's also about the other people who've not played Elite Dangerous who are on the Xbox and who are who are that potential audience when they buy it, then you know, this is a game that is designed to be developed further. So if that if there is a market then that development will happen. Yeah, I mean obviously I don't have an Xbox. What's been the general feel from the community in terms of how well is it being received on the Xbox One? Me. <laughs> because you've played it on the Xbox. Well, no, I said I, w I wasn't going to buy it in the Xbox and then <laughs> practically bought it the next day. Um, and I've loved it. It is, it's really, it's different. It's like a, oh, well, I think we were, when I was playing it, it's one of those things you can fire it up sitting on the couch without having to bring the hot ass through your pedals and all this stuff and set it up all around you. You can just sit there, casually lay back, and the controls, once you've got the use of them, once you get the hang of them, 
it's just, yeah, it's like a new challenge of gameplay. Suddenly, docking is becoming a nightmare again. <laughs> and uh, I was, <laughs> I was criticising Colin Ford uh, about his comments about the controllers being rotten and, and, and not being able to do it, and it's just too difficult for him. And then promptly went onto YouTube and showed the most ridiculous docking process you have ever seen in your life. I mean, it was uh, it was like a blind person trying to sort of do a three-point turn. It was just oh, it was horrible. Um, there is a phrase about a three-legged cat, but um, uh, it's probably not safe for work at this point in the <laughs> afternoon. See, and here's me. I was going to say that, Grant. I thought you took your hot ass everywhere you went, but you know, maybe that's too early for that as well. <laughs> yeah, these are the jokes, guys. Um, okay, so um, just going back to that NES, Ben. What was it specifically about the NES that um, David Braben was so pleased about uh, being able to achieve? Just because the NES had such limited resources compared to the normal screens, I think. Yeah. The normal yeah. PCs at the time. I think it, it had it was limited to two kilobytes of RAM, uh, which is crazy. It's even less it's than nothing. Yeah, some of the smaller, the BBC and yeah. things like that. It's insane. He managed to squeeze that in that hardware. Which I think it was really his most awesome. his most proud achievement. I think technically getting the game on there. And when we played it on um, on Retrolave, mm. was it the uh, the NES version that we played an emulator, or it was, was it the, the NES version that? So they I also managed to cram in a tutorial. Yes. Yep, which was yep. uh, completely different to uh, to all the other versions that we played, and also a docking computer as standard. Yep. Um, so I don't know what he's whinging about. He's managing to uh, struggle with the NES version because he managed to put more features in the NES version than any other version that was going on at the time. So, uh, excellent. Um, anything else out of that particular interview um, that stood out to you, Ben? I got the feeling he's maybe not so keen on the VR thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's, VR's still cool. We love VR, but maybe it's not the be-all and end-all. Maybe it's a bit of a gimmick. Yeah. I don't think that's what he said. But, yeah, yeah. I, uh, okay, so conflicting sorry, views. I've, I've, I've rocked in late, and I'm just you have. You I mean, thanks for turning up at all, Mr. Jarvis. <laughs> I should probably give you a bit of an introduction, shouldn't we? Uh, yeah. So Christopher Jarvis has walked into the room. So uh, head of station entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis, has rocked up for the Lave Radio Show. Only about 45 minutes late. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I think. <laughs> But before we go any further, sorry, Chris, before we go any further, I should also say that you weren't the last in the room because Lisa Vu has just come up from behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. So Lisa Vu is also in the room, head of station security. Which means we're pretty much all here apart from Colin Ford, who's not at the event. So well done, guys. Try and keep you punctual. We have a substitute, Col Ford, who is here at the event. Almost the same name and slightly different outlook on all things gaming. But... No, uh, the, there are quite a lot of us here. What we are going to do, one or two of us have to go to different things. So we are going to sort of sub in and sub out a little second bit. Second shift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, second team active um, in that regard. So, uh, so yeah, sorry, Chris, you were saying. Say, Chris. Like, no, what I was going to say about the, the David Braben's comments about the, the VR. Um, yeah, he, he was sort of going maybe a bit bit cooler towards it than he, had, than he has been in the past. But I think his comments about it were really interesting. And that's that if you've got gaming in a space in the house and suddenly that gaming is going away from a screen and going to something that is purely within a headset you're wearing and it becomes a very introverted private space, you're actually you're, you're drastically changing the position of that game kind of in your, in your life. I mean, it's one thing to be kind of sitting uh, at, a, a, you know, at, a, at a computer and playing a game. You might be playing it on your own but you're still kind of in the room with people. And I think what, what, what David Braben was talking about was about the impact on 
your relationship with the people around you. I'm not necessarily saying that it becomes a huge introverted thing, but people can't interact in any way with what you're doing if you're in like an Oculus Rift headset. Whereas if you're playing something on a screen, you're still kind of in the room. Even if you do what I do when I'm playing games, which is ignore everything that anyone says to you, I am still technically there. Whereas in a headset, you are, com you know, if, if you haven't tried the Oculus Rift, it is like being in a completely different place. And there is a moment of kind of weird perceptual shift when you take off the VR headset and you suddenly realise what room you're in. The, the VR takes you to a completely different place. And whether it's healthy for a, potentially a generation of gamers to grow up with stuff that's happening in this private space is a is something that we'll probably be debating for the next sort of five to ten years. The impact. I was going to say that's probably a bigger issue than you know than than this, but. Um you also, I mean, you know, you could you could look at the strategies of using VR in Elite Dangerous, um, and you could think about maybe the crew role that you are electing to take up. So, if you want to be a lone wolf assassin who preys on, you know, us innocent innocent traders and and folk, um, then maybe the VR the VR incorporation. Because you're not, you know, you're not really socialising. You're not really interacting with other people. Maybe the VR incorporation, you know, could reflect that. So you'd have perhaps a head-up display that is specific to that kind of design uh, and that kind of, you know, that kind of role-played role within the game, um, as opposed to because we know that VR just doesn't, because of the immersive level of it, it's it's so difficult to socialise in the game and out of the game. Um, you know, maybe maybe you just optimise it. Maybe that's what you do. Okay, but I mean. Talking about the fact that you're isolated, there is an option on the Oculus Rift, isn't there, to, to mirror the screen onto a separate display? So, you know, I don't see how that's any different from someone sat at a computer console. You know, anybody standing behind you can still see what you're doing. But you can't see what they're doing behind you. That's, that's what I was, was going to suggest. I mean, okay, you so you're saying it isolates the person in the headset as opposed to, yeah. okay, the people around them. John? Stabler. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be very contrarian about this, actually. And to be honest, after reading David Raven's comments, I thought it sounded very uh, Baroness Greenfield talking about how technology is ruining our brains and how, oh, if everyone's plugged into the rift, then the world's going to end because no one's going to feed the babies and no one's going to go to work and stuff <laughs> like that. But it's ultimately, it's just another level of technology and it's up to developers to actually address things like that. For instance, picture in picture so that, you know, if someone taps you on the shoulder, you can kind of look at them without having to take the rift off, things like that. I mean, ultimately, there's nothing stopping someone walking up to you, ripping your headphones off and saying, John, the house is on fire. So <laughs> I don't think I'd, it's that I'd be, immersive that you will sit there and burn to death. So unfortunately... I, I'd, I, I'd be saying, who's John? Why are you calling me John? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. But as I said, I, I think David Braben, unfortunately, he's, you know, trying to, uh, you know, show he's like trying to be socially responsible towards VR. But personally, I think anyone who's worried about VR ruining the human species is kind of buying into that kind of uh, uh, fear mongering that's been going on for a lot of time. People don't trust technology and they worry about, you know, as you see pictures online, you know, of, of young girls. Oh, look, they're using their phones. They're not talking to each other. See, society is completely screwed. Really? I mean, if it wasn't for technology, I'd probably only talk to 10 people a year. 
as opposed to the 12 that you talk to now. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> thank you, technology, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I mean, that's, uh, that's quite surprising because I, I, I have to confess I haven't read this particular interview, but David Braben's normally very positive on the advancements of technology. He's normally the first person out of the, the gate to say these things are, are great and they you know, inspire us or you know, persuade us to take things further. So it seems quite surprising that he's come out on the negative side of Oculus Rift, especially considering how much effort Frontier went into to make sure the Oculus Rift from DK1 was compatible with all the Elite Dangerous technology. He was probably on a train and accidentally picked up a copy of the Daily Mail and they had a, <laughs> and they had a VR special in there and he read it and he was like, oh no, what if we lose people in the Rift? So, Oh no, what if we lose people in the Rift? <laughs> okay, anything else out of that particular interview that uh, anybody wants to pick up on before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe it's just my overwhelming positivity, but the, the gist I got from the, the review was he, he was really just trying to say he didn't want to exclude anyone, I think. He didn't want to make it so that everyone's looking at, oh, the only way you can play Elite is VR, mm. and, and all the toys in, in a hot house and in a fork, you needed all this stuff. It, it come across to me like he was just trying to say, uh, you don't have to have this. It's a nice option, but it's, it's still an option. It's not a prerequisite. Yeah, I'd, I'd chime with that, um, John, in that... Um when we interviewed him at, uh, at the BAFTAs, at mm. the Games BAFTAs, he said pretty much a similar thing in between uh, the questions from Foz. Uh, we were talking about the percentage of players who had Oculus Rift, who were playing the game on Oculus Rift, and he was absolutely astonished yeah. by that. But he's, he was quite careful to sort of point out that the game at the time was not just about people playing it on the Oculus Rift, and that that was a, almost a privilege enhancement or a, or a thing that yeah. the people who could afford it it was great that they could use it but, but he was surprised because we, were we alpha or beta at that stage I think we, we were probably still in alpha yeah we were and still in alpha it was a crazy number like 10 yeah, or 20 yeah. percent of people playing the alpha are actually logging in with dk1 headsets well it was i think it was higher than that yeah. it was a lot higher um which you know it really did surprise us but again i think that was more of a, a testament to the people that were early adopters into <laughs> buying into the alpha and putting the money into you know the development and everything else they're the sort of people that are Want to, are going to want to you know, have a DK1 headset. So I'm sure that number has gone down now that we've gone to a, a wider audience. But I mean, talking about, cheers, I'm talking about um, trying to go in all inclusive and everything else, um, the fact that we've moved on to consoles surely you know, it ticks that box. I mean, yes, for PC players, we're always going to have our hot asses, uh, he says with a smile. Um, but when it comes to consoles, surely that is allowing anybody to sort of pick up a gamepad and play the game in pretty much the way they're going at the moment. They're, they're allowing people to play exactly the same game that we're playing on the PC. Uh, okay, so the graphics might not be exactly the same, but they're playing in the same universe. They're getting the same experience at the moment, maybe a little bit more of an experience than the rest of us, but that's a topic for a different matter. Um, so surely that, uh, that question about having Oculus Rifts and the latest gaming rigs and stuff is a, a, a null point if you're going to expand it onto the console generation. Yeah, I, th I think that was the point they were trying to get across in the, in the, the interview there, is uh, he still wants to get it to as many people as possible. That's, that's the most important thing in his mind. doesn't matter how, just needs to get it out there to as many people for them to experience it. Okay, so let's move on to the dev update of the 9th of July. Uh, the main one coming out from this is that Frontier wants to do sort of more story-driven content. Now, how do people feel about this? Because um, the story side of things in terms of the Galnet and everything else has been a bit hit and miss. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. 
The, uh, the story side of the, uh, the universe at the moment has been a bit sort of hit and miss in terms of when I talk to people. Some people are absolutely glued to the Galnet feeds and they're glued to the stuff that's coming through on PowerPlay. Other people are completely oblivious to, uh, to what's going on. What do you guys reckon on the panel? Is this something that the uh, community are going to want to engage in or is this sort of going to be sort of, I don't know, extra, extra polished that nobody's really going to pay any attention to? You can see why I sent Frontier out of the room before we, uh, we started having these conversations. <laughs> Constructive criticism is fine. I know I'm, I'm terrible in that I really do want extra storage and content and things like that, but I'm equally terrible in that even though we've now got the Galnet feeds in the cockpit, I don't read them when I'm flying around. I'm too busy flying around. So is that even the case? If you've got a big sort of um, jump between sort of entering into a system and going to a station, you still don't flick over to... If I'm going between a station, I'll jump onto Skype chat or something like that and talk to the other guys. Right, okay. Um, the main times I actually read the Galnet feed is actually on the website whilst I'm meant to be doing other things. <laughs> okay, so so let's look at it a different way then. What's, what media or what particular technology or how do you think, it, if it's not going to work, because all the time that they were, they were talking, we said we want Galnet feeds in cockpits. That's the only way we're ever going to read the Galnet news. Uh, they've done that, and we're still not reading the Galnet news. So well, that's just me. You might be, they might be. I don't know. Well, what you're saying rings true to me as well. So uh, apart from I don't talk to people on Skype, I watch Breaking Bad on the other screen. Um, but uh, what, what, uh, what way to present the Galnet news uh, would actually allow you to, to read it in a way that you're interested in? I mean, is it the sort of thing we want on our tablets? Is it the sort of a separate app? Is it the sort of thing we want to read on a commute on the way to work? Do we want lay radio to start reading it out on podcasts? God forbid. Uh, what sort of way would allow people to engage with the Galnet news and get, in, you know, get involved in the fiction and the, the story that they're building around this universe? I think, I think layout's an issue. I think it would be if you had some weird kind of modern version of like a broadsheet newspaper where instead of seeing the Galnet news as kind of individual things you click on and have a block of text, if it were laid out in a kind of newspaper format, like a, like a holographic newspaper that appears on your lap in the cockpit where you can see different stories in different positions and you can kind of get at a glance things going on, I think that would be a slightly different approach to it because your eye would naturally be drawn to the stories that you're most interested in. Whereas the thing with Galnet is you have to kind of click through every story before you can engage what you're interested in. And that's not really how traditional sort of print media works. And I think if we've seen anything about the way that, I know print media is kind of, I don't wanna, don't offend anyone that works in print media, but if we're looking at print media kind of going out and digital and internet media replacing it, if you look at the way heavily content-driven websites, things like IGN and uh, Microsoft One and all these things, if you look at the way the websites are laid out, it's actually still done in a very newspaper format. You have, you have headlines, you have smaller text underneath it, you have breakout boxes that give you a little bit of a story that encourage you to click through and go to other things. And I think if the Galnet feed looked more like a kind of journalistic publication, you might read it rather than it looking like a kind of, almost like a kind of wiki of game background that says, come here and immerse yourself in me. I think, I think 
for me, that would be the difference. So you think the fact that it's just a, a blank wall of text or a blanket wall of text is what's it, stopping it people is from a wall actually of text. engaging? Yeah. It, like, it's a it does, it does need to be broken up by something. That's what it needs. Because it's like when you look on the internet and somebody's posted on the forum and all you can see is wall of text, no paragraph, no line breaks, no nothing, and you're like, nope, scroll past. <laughs> so you reckon the gown that feed needs a too long did not read a section for... TLDR. TLDR, absolutely. Or, or, or the other thing that might be nice is, you know the way, um, you know, certainly like in venues like this, you'll have a TV with like BBC News 24 running tickers. on it. What's that? With a ticker. With a ticker running on it. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like, so you've got those holographic screens outside stations, particularly mm. if you're in like power play controlled systems. If there is what looks like a sort of BBC News 24 thing running on those screens that's maybe showing one story at a time with the head of the 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 power play figure that it's talking about with summary text going across the bottom and then when that one's done it switches to another one so you're not necessarily able to absorb all of the galnet story that way but you're getting glances of it as you're flying around the universe and you're picking up on the idea of ongoing storylines and it's making the universe feel populated which I think is, like for me, that's the thing that's really nice about the galnet is it makes it feel like the universe is populated and there are things going on yeah, definitely, and um, certainly from uh, from my Eve background, that was one of the things I really did enjoy about Eve Online is the the interactivity of the the, the, bullet, the bulletin boards that you saw around the the systems. They used them to great effect in terms of showing you who was the most wanted pirate in that particular system, or the latest information, or even just sort of ads for Coke and things like that, or the the futuristic Coke. So I think that's actually a really good way because what. Which, whatever you're doing, by the time you get to docking, you are actually paying attention. You're no, no longer watching Breaking Bad. You, you know, if you're trying to dock your, your Type 9, you, you, you're very much focused on that letterbox when you come into the station. So to have them um, portraying information about the Galnet stuff, I think would actually make uh, a big impact to how many people actually then click through. Crash? Maybe it could be an, uh, an alternative to the Blue Danube when you're auto-docking, though. Well, they actually read the news to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to think of things that aren't going to be quite uh, development intensive. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of think. As much as I would like a holographic display as you're going, you know, 200,000 light seconds across, and you get that semi-transparent screen comes up and the fully animated newsreader and full vocals. And that would be fantastic. But I think it, it comes down to a question of balancing the development time versus what it, it adds to the game. And I, the most, most important thing is, is what's your audience? What are you trying to get across to them? Uh, and I mean, I must admit, I do read the Galnet news, but it's, it's not so much to catch up with things. It's like I'm trawling it for little bits of information. Like, what have I missed? What, what are the powers up to? What's going on? But yeah, I mean, layout aside, it, it, there are some interesting things in there. It just, the presentation probably could do with some work, I suppose. Okay, so in talking about going through the Galnet news and trying to pick out little, uh, little tidbits of information and stuff and you know, doing a bit of investigative work, uh, the other thing that uh, came through in the development update is the fact that they are interested in the, the puzzles and mysteries, like the ones they've done for uh, the unknown artifacts, and they're going to continue to develop this idea. Um, now, the unknown artifacts, I think, worked really, really well. I think that's one of the things of you know, recent developments. It's still working well. That, that's really sort of captured the... Um, really captured oh. hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll, you'll have a turn don't worry heckling from the audience it's one of the things that uh, has really sort of captured the community's imagination um, I'm sure we'll probably have a few people coming up to the mic and telling us a little bit more about it uh, in the next uh, next section um, but I think you know that sort of development is a really good place to uh, to sort of aim for what is the latest by the way on the uh, unknown artifacts 
It's unknown. It's unknown. Excellent. Okay. The last I heard, various NSA hackers and things like that were trying to figure out what's going on, <laughs> and they didn't have a clue either. Okay, so uh, the other thing coming out of the dev news, uh, they're still digging into the stuttering around planets. Now, this is something that um, certainly whether the planets have got rings is something that's still happening on my system. Are you guys still experiencing it? Hi. On and off. I mean, different different scenarios, yeah. I mean, definitely flying past planets, that's that's improved for me. It got a lot better than in the last patch. I think the same with everyone else. There, it, it, something went back in the 1.307, whatever it is. It is definitely a lot better in that now. Um, strange enough, if I turn the graphics settings right down to bare minimum, it's worse. So I think it, <laughs> it, it, it is some, like, thread synchronization thing rather than some technical limitations. Okay, so you don't think there's going to be another fire on the forums about downgrading the graphics oh, in order to make... there's always a fire on the forum. <laughs> I thought... I, my, 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 my theory about it, which I was putting around in a kind of totally uh, uh, unknowledgeable fashion, was that the, the stuttering around planets with rings seemed to appear in a roughly similar time that they, they updated the persistence of asteroid content. So I wondered if the stuttering is a network issue rather than necessarily a graphics issue. I, I think it was related to the way that the shaders were changed to generate the... Um, right. Generate the, yeah, it was something to do with that. They, they changed the algorithm so that it would it could be rep reproducing the same pattern each time. So because of that, it was slightly different. I think, think that's the answer. <laughs> and if you're interested about the real answer, just wait until the Q&A panel with Frontier in about half an hour. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I just want to point in something really good from the Twitch chat that Dex Dexter Maximus is saying he likes the idea of having faction-based news. So, for example, if you're in a Hudson-based system, then it would refer to President Hudson as a good guy. But if you're in, say, the Alliance, yep. then might so, you know that evil, nasty warmonger. Yeah. You know, getting things organized to the way that you're looking at them. You know, I think, it's a, sense. I think it's a cracking idea. And it's also one, I mean, we forget, because uh, we're all interested in playing the game as it currently stands, but if you think back to the development days back in the DDF, and we're talking about um, yeah, how the Galnet news is going to work and things like that, there was always thought that there would be different publications out there depending on whereabouts you were in the galaxy. So you'd have Federation news, you'd have um, Imperial news, you'd have the Galnet news that was supposedly independent of everything. And you'd also have sort of trading news, specifically you know, a trading rag, to give you some idea about um, you know, the best places to go for you know, great trade routes. That's yet to come in, uh, but you could see how that could be easily implemented, apart from someone writing all the stuff, uh, but you could see how it could be easily be implemented and get quite a decent comeback from that. I was going to say, I think that's a, that would be a heck of a lot of work for the guys, really, unless you've got some kind of automated news writing article story, in which case then that would get rid of a whole load of journalists from BBC News Online. <laughs> well, Sorry, they, they, they do have that, they copy and paste from the wires, don't yeah. they? <laughs> I, I think there might be something like that in there, to a degree. To a degree, um, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, it, there definitely is some, some elements in there, uh, the generative stuff, uh, some of the news stories do get... Uh, I think people <laughs> are trying to get Fozzer drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, drink out, Foz. He's only two Come on. <laughs> but I, I, I think. <laughs> He's tempted. He's tempted. So. Shall <laughs> I move along? Yeah. The next Xbox release is supposedly going to include CQCC into the game. Is that CQCC or is that actually supposed to be just CQC? It's close quarters combat championship. Oh, it's a championship. It okay. Is a, so it is a double C. It is a double C. Sorry, right, Foz, I asked the same question on the podcast episode. Okay, fine. So um, so the next Xbox release is going to include this. Um, 
Grant, how much have you actually played in terms of that? None. Right. <laughs> Is that because they're not putting it in until the next release? That would be right. <laughs> <laughs> no it looks good. I will, be, I, will, I will no doubt be uh, gushing over it in the very next episode after that. Yes. Uh, okay. Is that the wrong word? <laughs> it's, it's not the best word. I don't, think we, I don't think we really need to gush, do we? <laughs> right, so um, they have shown us a, a sort of a peak of the week for the cluster compound, which is the third map for uh, CQCC. For those people that can remember back to the, um, the, uh, the, the concept arts, probably recognise that these floating structures, the, the compounds, we've actually seen it way, way, way back. Um, Oh, I thought you were going to put it on the big screen. I thought that was going to be very clever. Yeah, I wondered why you were waving at a tablet that no one could see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so all the all these um, assets and stuff we have seen in the early posters. I know because I've got one of these hanging on my wall in the, in the office. Um, so it's great to see these assets, these sort of concepts coming through and actually being part of the game. Um, have we heard any any news about when this is going to be incorporated into the PC build? We still think it's going to be sort of December. Yeah. <laughs> I think they said it's before the end of the holiday, year. haven't they? Yeah, holiday That's is what, what I heard. Okay, but is that holiday for summer beta? holiday? That'd be cool. <laughs> yes, I is don't. That holiday for beta or is that holiday for the final thing though? I, I'm pretty sure it's Christmas. That's our Christmas present this year from Frontier Development. Is Probably. what I'm expecting. Okay, so going straight on to newsletter number 82. Um, summer sale and stuff. Who's already succumbed and bought stuff in the sale? Really? Not There's a sale on. There's a sale on. <laughs> There's technically two sales, because there's the sale of the Elite I'm merchandise on their web store, and there's also a huge reduction on Steam. You can, get, it for, you can get Elite Dangerous for like 50p or something. <laughs> you can't get it for 50p. Yeah, I was going to say, just, uh, just a quick word. But uh, it's, it's, uh, about, it's about... A Third off, is it or something? Okay. Yeah, it's the 33% off. Uh, but that's also on their their store as well. I'm not sure what it is on Steam, but certainly 33% off for. Is it just this weekend? Um, it's to celebrate Lave cards. It's to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's their summer sale. So it's just this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, for us, the map up on the screen for everyone. Yeah. So all those sort of clusters, those compounds. Uh, they were in early concept art that we saw, uh, I think even as far back as LaveCon 2013. Uh, it was one of the ones, I think uh, Michael Brooks, it was one of his favourite uh, concept arts that uh, didn't get selected by the community to take forward into, uh, <laughs> into Photoshop. So they're format. doing it anyway. <laughs> Is this the one that so it's only also taking has two the years. old diamond, diamond back in it? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, the Rare Goods Contest, who's been keeping up with this? So they're, they're basically asked players, and they're using the forums for it, which is <laughs> brave. Um, they are asking players for a new Rare Goods. Uh, so they're inviting everyone from the community to su submit their ideas um, for a brand new Rare Goods. Now, anybody on the, uh, anybody on the team had a thought about... Yeah, no, not you, Grant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like there to be rocking horse shit. As a <laughs> <laughs> Moon on a stick. Or, Fiction licenses. Or an obtainium or something an like that. Obtain I like the idea of an obtainium. Jumpers. Jumpers. Are there not jumpers in game? I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's Brave and Woolens or something. Can there, some, some planet there is a. I thought there was. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it's a rare goods. I'd, I'd like to suggest that the rarest good in the Elite Universe is fictionalized licenses. 
Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. Too soon. I'm allowed one. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, okay, so apart from rocking horse poop um, and, a, and obtainium, have we got any ideas on the panel? Oh, you want a serious idea? I want a serious idea, guys. Just one. That's all I'm asking for. Crash-branded energy drinks. Crash-branded <laughs> energy drinks. Don't clap that. Don't clap that. Uh, he has they, a problem. Don't encourage him. <laughs> uh, they, they could have trilithium. Trilithium. I think that might be... Uh, is that not um, patented? Yeah, but it was only in one ever film, so you know, it's, you, you, know you could get away with it and say, well, in our universe, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think that pretty much does it for the uh, the development chat that we've got for the time being. We don't want to step on the um, on the guys from Frontiers' toes too much. Uh, they're obviously they've got the panel coming up next, so we want to give them something that they can actually talk about before we talk about it all here. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick ad break. Hopefully, we have a quick ad, and then after that, we're going to go to community corner and we're going to go to the main discussion topic, which is SOD, the state of development. We buy any ship. I get that. Oh, stop playing. Ah, oh, technical difficulties. We buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, we take any ship. We buy any ship, bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bar, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. <laughs> okay, and we are back. So, um, this is LaveCon 2015. We were starting the first LaveCon back in 2013. The game has obviously come a long way since then. Uh, so we've got a big group of uh, audience participation uh, candidates stroke volunteers in the room with us at the moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw it open to you guys and just say, not all negative, let, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about where it currently is, where we want it to be, uh, and the journey that, uh, that we've been on. So who'd like to come up and talk about the game to start with? Excellent. Come on. Round of applause. Don't forget to say your name for the people at home. It should be. Yeah, hi there, I'm uh, Commander Shan, to sort of give you my view on the uh, state of the game. Um, I'm a real Elite fan. Uh, I've been playing Elite since 84. And one of the things I really enjoy about the, the game is how it allows people to contribute towards the, uh, the universe. Um, and I feel at the moment uh, there are two groups of players. There are a group of players who want to create the content and there's a group of players who want to consume the content. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious to see which way the balance is going to go between the content contributors and the consumers because I feel it's a bit of in the balance at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Thank you very much. Um, so, guys, what do we reckon? So, 
Uh, I'm definitely a consumer. Uh, creation takes far more work, um, and I'm far too lazy. So um, Frontier did open it up, and they did ask certainly some of the fiction writers to, uh, you know, to put in some more information and, and write some more stories and stuff. Um, which appeared on the Galnet News. There was a big groan from the audience there. Just, just <laughs> slight mumbling. Do you think there's dissension in the ranks about the fiction authors? Yeah. <laughs> Is the senator still with us? No, excellent. Fine. That's, that's, so, so we got away with that. That's not a problem at all. <laughs> Alan's doing another panel. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I mean... Just going back, uh, you've gone and sat down now, but what sort of um, content are you hoping uh, that the, the group of um, creatives will actually produce? Are you looking at um, yeah, missions? Are you looking at sort of story arcs? Are you, you know, looking at you know, some, of the, uh, some of the groups that have, uh, like the first great expedition, the group systems that have uh, come about and the stories that they're creating? What sort of stuff do you want to see? I'm thinking more of the emergent uh, gameplay style where people with Frontier put the tools in the hands of the players yep. to be able to create content events within the game universe. So I'm not talking about specific authors writing external to the game material, as great as that is. I, I would just like to see more tools which the players can then use to enhance the Elite universe. Okay, that's a good point. So, I mean, certainly Kate's, is it Destruction Derby? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, things, like, I mean, take it, things like that, so sort of different ways of playing the game. Uh, that you want to see. Yes, I, exactly. Um, it, it's, it's more about putting the, the tools, I think, as I say, in hands of players. And I remember the protest goat, which was the, <laughs> yeah, which was the effort to try and get Destruction Derby's enabled back, for example. Yep. It, it goes sort of more beyond that. There was an instance, I think, on a stream the other week where a group of players had kidnapped one of the fuel rats and uh, held them to held them hostage, and then a group of players then decided to try and rescue the, the fuel rat from these uh, evil hostage takers. And that's the sort of gameplay I think that could really enrich people's experience within the game. And I would just love to see more of that kind of thing happening within the game. Okay, so what sort of tools do you think are required? What do you think Frontier Development needs to give us in order to be able to uh, help us develop those sort of um, sort of expanding gameplays? Going back to your point on, on the Galnet and that sort of storyline, I think setting the scene for people to do imagination to kick in would be great. I mean, one of the examples way early on was there was an article uh, about the Silver Comet, which was a, yep. a story in, in one of the fiction books. And I was a bit disappointed that the Silver Comet wasn't actually in the game, because I know we went hunting to try and find it. So I would like to see them take the fiction, the events that players come up with, and then insert them in the game at certain points, so the, the players can actually join in and and bring that into their own thing. Because one of the things, one of the great things about Elite, for me, was it sparked my imagination off. When I first saw it as a 14-year-old, it blew my mind back in 84. It sparked my imagination in ways that no game had never done before. So I would like to have that same kind of imagination sparking going on in, in the wider community. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, but I, to, to defend, sorry, I was going to say, to defend Frontier, didn't the, I'm going to butcher this, but it was, was it not the Buckyball run? Mm -hmm. um, the challenge where somebody set up a particular sort of like cannonball run uh, race around the system. Was that not sort of incorporated in some of the Galnet feeds and, and also supported by Frontier? Yeah. So they did back it to that, but what you're saying is you want to go to another step further and, uh, and do more of that? Or? Well, I think the players should take it on themselves 
to help generate the content more. Because we can't rely on Frontier to do everything because they only have a certain amount of time and effort. So I, I think we just need to take it on ourselves to generate our own content. Because one of the things that people, I think, often um, think about is, well, there is no end game. Where's the end game? Well, the reality is the end game is what you make it. And I think somehow we need to get that message communicated to people mm. to say, well, the end game is what you make it. Ships are tools, not progression, for example. So I think we just need to take things on more, about, more on ourselves. And the instance about power play, power play is very much a con consumer-based thing because yeah. it needs very much, here's, here's the content, churn it out and you know, do that. So it's a difficult balance between content consumer and con contributor. I think that we just somehow need to uh, address together with Frontier. Ben? Yeah. If you did say have the Silver Comet in game and you were the one commander to go and kill it, what happens to everybody else though? Well, that's always the that's always the trick regarding content like that because one of the things I like about Elite is you're in fact really a nobody. You're not the savior of the universe. You're not Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or anyone else like that. As much as you might like to think you are. That's the sort of thing I like to, I, I, I don't really want to see in game. So it's a difficult balance between, oh, I'm the one who killed the Silver Comet, or... It might not be the Silver Comet, but well, isn't this the same idea as the, isn't it basically the assassination missions that you're wanting? Hmm. You know, the assassination missions are saying, we've got this really... Story critical character. Yeah, this yeah. character who, as far as you and I are concerned, he's actually a nobody, but as far as the story is concerned, he is a somebody. I think it goes back to. Sorry, I don't want to hog the. No, keep going. Um, I think it goes back to one of the quintessential problems with multiplayer games mm -hmm. that very few people actually read the quest text. They just look <laughs> at the amount. Oh, I get 300,000 credits for this target. They don't bother reading the story behind it. They just say, right, I get this for this. Definitely. I want to kill 10 rats. I don't care about why they've got rats in the cellar. I just want to go and get the 10 rats to get in the loop. Mm -hmm. And the issue is, I think, is that it doesn't matter how good a story you put in. A lot of people won't read it. Whereas you talk about the assassination missions, if you were interdicted by this guy who then shot you up, you've then got a reason to go after him. So you'd almost like him to initiate the event and then somebody say, hey, I saw you got beaten up by Joe Bloggs. We'll yeah. give you money to go and get him, please. Yeah, it, it almost becomes a, in MO terms, a dynamic event. You yeah. become pulled into the story by mm -hmm. things happening to you rather than reading quest text, which essentially is what the bulletin board is because I in my experience very few people actually very few people actually read the read the quest text and, and, and that's I think the difficulty with the uh, with those bulletin board missions yeah. I think that makes makes a lot of sense about the idea of him intercept, intercepting you and starting the mission himself I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that they need to give us more tools and the fact that they've built this universe up which is this, this deep and interesting canvas and there's things going on and we can, we can observe it, we can get involved, uh, but as it stands at the moment, it's very hard to uh, create with it. There's not many tools which allow you to create some interesting content. I mean, that, what the few rots have done is fantastic. The uh, uh, the commanders that are staying near the center, Sajay, and, and helping people out, that stuff is fantastic, but um, there's very limited scope for what players can do, and it's very hard for people to imagine how to create some content. Just, I mean, the one thing I would I'd love to see in the game is when you're involved in emergent gameplay, it's over before there's a chance to expand it, and that's the challenge. But if you had dedicated members of staff, whether they be community people who can flag events, who could then 
create that event and that then hits the Galnet feeds, uh, feeds as a, some kind of bulletin or urgent breaking news, then you're able to report on it. Because I think one of the most successful and excitable uh, kind of community thing that happened was the unidentified artifacts. Because everybody was talking about it, everybody wanted to be there, and then we got to the point where nobody could figure it out and we all kind of thought, all right, then, uh, no, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see what that is, and then we'll all go, I knew that, I knew that. Uh, just like. The other thing that sprang to mind with that was the uh, Titan Black quests. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, yes, I, I know I there, was, I there was a prize at the end of it, but yeah. the search for the Titan Blacks was something I think caught a lot of people's yeah. imaginations to try and, well, where are they headed? You know, that kind of stuff, I think, would be, would be great. And what I'm, I'm very optimistic for this, by the way, because I think planetary landings, when they come, and being able to walk outside your ship, brings in a whole new scope of possibility for this kind of content. Yeah. They could drop in a rumour of a crashed spaceship somewhere out in this range of systems. And it would kind of like, you can just put little seeds in. It doesn't take a lot of effort to do, but requires a lot of imagination to fill in. And that's the sort of thing I think would be, would yeah. be great. Excellent stuff. Okay, so moving on to the next point. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Keith. Just in terms of the Galnet feeds we have in game at the moment, um, I think there's too many scroll bars. I agree with that at all. Basically, uh, being able to browse through those in a more, sorry, uh, in an easier fashion so we can just skip through, like a newspaper article, like you guys were saying earlier on, might, uh, oh, God. <laughs> might make it easy to pick up the, uh, the storylines that are running through the game. Um, so I think. It would encourage people to, to, to access that content more easily and hopefully drive people forward. Okay, so we, we did talk about this on, on the, uh, yeah, in the last subject. So what, in your mind, would make it easier to access that information? I mean, we've said it's, at the moment it's a wall of text and nobody is really interested in reading it. How would you like to see it presented or portrayed? How do you think people should digest this information? Well, I think the screen itself that presents Galnet feed is uh, very large with very little space for actual content. There's quite a big banner at the top, this sort of thing. If we had uh, a way to scan through that content easier, reduce the banner images, make it uh, slightly easier to actually absorb the content and skip through, uh, less clicking involved, less scrolling, it may make it more approachable for the user. Yeah, again, I think this is probably one of the questions that Frontier are probably gonna have leveled at them in terms of making the Galnet more, yeah, more accessible. Um, I don't think it's there yet. Uh, I think that we do need to have a look at it. Um, okay, so thank you very much, Keith. Anybody else in terms of uh, where the current game... Excellent. So um, just for the sake of time, if you see that the, the microphone is empty, please feel free to stand up and go over there. That, that way it's a little bit less... One uh, thing that's coming out of the chat do you, channel... Do you get close to it, though, because otherwise we can't hear you and Twitch can't hear you either. It's we right. need you to eat the microphone, please. <laughs> People who know me know I know microphones. Hey. <laughs> Quick Hello. introduction, who are you? Uh, Commander Bullshot. Uh, sorry, what? Sorry, sorry? Bullshot. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Bullshot. Yes. Excellent. Just to clarify. Um... I'm, I'm not sure I believe him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an original Elite player all the way back from 1984. Um, I love the universe. I've uh, enjoyed playing the game up to now. It's a little thin at the moment, and real life has been getting in the way. But uh, it's a fantastic platform for us to grow a, a magnificent universe. Um, one idea which uh, I used to play Star Trek Online a lot, which Star Trek Online brought on, which I think is a fantastic idea if 
Frontier can bring in is the story foundry. And if they can make that happen, whereby creatives can generate their own missions to place into the game, that would be awesome. Because we've got the canvas, let the artists draw and paint. Okay, that's a really good idea. I like that a lot. The, uh, the initial sort of comeback to that, however, is that not everybody loves what every artist does. And everybody's interpretation of what makes art uh, does not sort of go across every level. So um, what you might think is a fantastic mission, um, how do you get the quality control in there, do you think, and to, ignore it, to ensure that people don't get this mission and say, what the am I playing here? We all know the kind of mission that Grant would make for us. We don't really need a dock, okay. actually. No, there is a dock. There is a place for a docker's mission every now and again. <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, on the lines of when you're, when you're you're logging in and for the umpteenth time in a row, you've been made some blooming target and everyone in the universe is hunting you down. You think, oh, come on. The, 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 power, of, the power of the crowd works. Uh, you have a rating system. That's the thing. That's a good and, shout. Yeah. And then, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the good stories are the ones that get put to the top of the list and people get to know and talk about the good stories and, and so on and so forth. And those authors get kudos and maybe in-game benefits or whatever. The whole point is it gives, it, it gives you a palette with which to create. It creates new narratives as well. Exactly. Because you're going to have five different storylines going about not all controlled and all related to the one thing. And as we know, we all like different aspect, aspects from the game. So we want different authors to create different stories. The okay. whole idea is to generate more content from whatever angle. And okay, so you don't like this kind, fine. Somebody else has produced this one. And you may think that's brilliant. Would you have some kind of vetting system in place, though, either before it went out or at least a retroactive <laughs> pull or what? Um, I have to be honest, I haven't played Star Trek Online in a while, but um, it depends on how much effort is required to do it. Um, the, the crowd test... You, you I, I suspect the, the crowd will vet it on their own and the votes up and down will, will make that kind of thing happen. Because yeah, um, okay. people will say, oh, there's a new thing, I'll give it a go, and they'll expect that'll be good or not. And yeah, hence the good creators will get voted up. And as long as there's people accepting the fact that people start off not so good and can develop over time as they get used to the tools, that's the space. Yeah, so I, I like the idea. It's almost like a Reddit system then. Yeah, I, I like the idea. However, there is, there is a glaringly uh, obvious problem that I, I can see is that we've got, and we've talked about it on, uh, on the Conclave, we've got some big old uh, player groups coming into the Elite Dangerous universe. We've got the Mobius group, we've got, yeah, we've got, is it Red, uh, Crimson, Crimson Sun? We've got a lot of um, sort of group play going on at the moment. And if the, the system that you're talking about goes into place, there's nothing stopping the Mobius group from, you know, writing a mission that says Liam Rafferty is the king of the universe and, you know, you need to do all these particular missions. And they can just get all their members to click through and say, this is the best mission since sliced bread. Where do you put the, uh, the vetting system? Or, I mean, does it eventually have to go to frontier development? Or yeah. do you think it, you know, if that's what the, the players want, that's what the players should get? It's, it's, it's a tricky thing. I suppose frontier should always have ultimate sign off or ultimate, shall we say, um, sign out you know, if, Vito, if, if yeah. it goes wrong. There should be the freedom to create whatever you like, but if it becomes offensive or whatever, then there should be the ability to turn it off. Yeah, but so Frontier would release a Morbius is dead. <laughs> <laughs> now, I appreciate the game being the persistent universe and stuff may cause this to be an issue because effectively it's, it's a sandboxed small piece of game within the game. So I yeah. don't know how that would necessarily work. But if people accept that, it's a story within the game. You take part in this small bit, but 
Okay, and again, just to, to follow up for that, we've been talking about the Galnet News presenting information in a particular way that nobody wants to read. How would you present that particular sort of player-created content? I mean, would you just put it into the mission systems, or how would you try and get it across? It would make perfect sense to be part of the mission system, yes. You'd have sort of like the standard sort of power play missions or whatever, and then you could have the, the, you know, the sort of sign-off bit that would be for the, the, the community-generated content. Okay, taking that to the next level, do you see a place where you know you, the the loot you can get from these particular missions should be different to the standard loot? I mean, do you think that there should be you know certain equipment that you can only get through these sort of player-created content? Would that be an added draw? Um, it's an opportunity, but this is a place for stories, mm. and the whole point is people to enjoy the stories, and that's what that's what from what I've seen a lot of the community wants at the moment. It is this wonderful universe which is a little dry at the moment. They want the stories, and that's what it's there for. Frontier could certainly pop in a few specials to help out. Maybe you know, if your um, author is has, has got the best ratings for this month or whatever, for what, through whatever management of that system is, they get for their next one something nice to put in or whatever. Yeah, there's there's so many opportunities and so many ideas that can come from that. Excellent bullshit. I like that a lot. Any any other further comments from the panel? Really like it. Yeah, really like that idea. Thank you very much indeed. Round of applause, please. I'm not sure our microphone stand goes that high, Danny. <laughs> yeah, up to 35,000 feet. I guess it does. <laughs> if only Hi. Danny was here. My name is Danny, in Commander Remclap in the game. Um, enjoyed the game very much. I've been playing it since 84. Still have my BBC and the original disc that works. Wow. I'll do PvP most of the time, fighting. What I don't like at the moment is that the rating system for the NPCs has no meaning whatsoever. I mean, I'm flying around in my, in my, I have a Vulture, which is, I think, one of the best fighting ships in the game. Mm -hmm. I fly around in my Vulture, no matter what kind of ships, what rating you have, it can be an Elite Anaconda, it can be a group of five Vultures ranging from Dangerous to Elite, there's no problem, I can kill them all. And that's, it is, <laughs> no, 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 it's too You're easy. Doing that flying ship, I, I would like the ships, the NPC <laughs> ships to be so good that I am afraid of an elite vulture. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just wait for 1.4. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm not sure how much we can talk about, because I, um, <laughs> I was privileged to have... We have Sarah Jane Avery, uh, who has been... Uh, who has turned up today, and she's obviously from Frontier. She's in control of the AI for the NPC <laughs> ships. Mm -hmm. uh, and she loves going on the forums, because um, there's a lot of complaints about the fact that your mostly harmless NPC ship is just as dangerous as your dangerous or elite uh, or elite rated ships. Um, hopefully she's going to be on the, the Q&A panel so you can put this question to her. I know the answer to it and as Karash has just mentioned, uh, 1.4 by all accounts sounds like that's going to flip it on its head. Alrighty, looking forward to it. Okay, so thank you very much Danny. Alright, thank you. Okay, anybody else uh, brave enough to come up to the microphone? We've got probably about another 20, 20 minutes or so, probably a little bit less. So, uh, so Simon seems to be shaking his head. <laughs> 15. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, <laughs> he's just jumped up on a chair. <laughs> 
Yes, to, uh, just to fill in the people that are watching on the Twitch stream, our microphone had to be set quite high for Danny, who's a little bit tall, should we say. Sam, however, has just come to the microphone, is a little bit on the other side of the spectrum. So, uh, you <laughs> He's also short. <laughs> so, if you'd like to bear with us whilst we make a few microphone adjustments for Sam. Um, Frontier made... Sam. Sam. In, the, in the microphone, mate. Closer. Sam, Commander Cassius. Um, Frontier made a big oh, effort. Whoa, 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 back the hell up. Why did you say Sam nice and confidently and then mutter, Commander Cassius? What have you been up to in game like that you're so ashamed of that you don't want <laughs> to tell people? Absolutely nothing, honest. It's all that slave trump. All that slave trade. Um, no, uh, Frontier made a very big deal of mapping 400 billion stars and uh, all the rest of it. And I'm an explorer, mostly. Um, when I go out, I do tend to see orange star, white star, blue star, kind of dark red star, lots of planets, some with rings, some not with rings. It, there's a lot of news articles coming out at the moment. You seem to have one every few days, uh, people posting on, um, uh, on Faceache, uh, oh, sorry, Facebook, <laughs> uh, how a new system has been found by NASA with five stars and it's nothing like we've ever seen before and stars touching and black holes taking matter from other stars and things like that I would like very much like to see things like that in the game okay so a bit of variation a bit of variation for the explorers I think that's probably a great shout uh, exploration is one of those things that at the moment I don't think gets enough love mm. um, in terms of the guys that uh, go out and find all these new systems and yeah, as Sam says, it's a, it's a red star, it's a white star, it's a couple of red stars, it's a couple of white stars, it's a black hole! That just means they haven't explored enough. <laughs> um, and you know, we, we got very excited, first of all, when everybody started going down to the Sagittarius A, to the centre of the galaxy. It was a, yeah, it was a really big thing for the explorers. But there's nothing, there's nothing out there. That's changed slightly in terms of the unknown artefacts, but... It would be really nice if the exploration guys got a bit more love in terms of what would be out there in terms of, I don't know, finding missions on the fly, for, for example, like a, a distress beacon way out in the middle of nowhere that you can then pick up a, a mission that's separate to the space station missions that you can collect. Just something that um, gives the exploration career just a little bit more love. What's yeah, you, you come across the occasional unidentified signal source and it's usually just a few canisters of junk or something that you think, oh, do I take it and then limit my jump range? And then it's <laughs> going to take my time getting back to actually sell the thing. Some missions, maybe in a, uh, an unidentified signal source that you could then pick up, like, say, on the fly and be involved. Something that you don't even have to go back to the core worlds for. Mm. Do out on the, on the run in the middle of nowhere and maybe something along them lines. I mean, if you think about the original game, those people that can remember back that far, some of the missions that you got in there was, our star has just gone supernova. <laughs> If you can put in, for example, into Elite Dangerous, that there is a small colony you know, of religious zealots or something that have managed to get out into the back of beyond, and you know, they've set up this colony, a colony in, a, in a star system, and the sun is literally about to go supernova, and they send you a distress beacon. You have to go to a certain place, pick them up, and take them to the, the place they want to go, like two, three systems away. It doesn't interrupt your exploration for more than maybe, I don't know, half an hour's worth of travel to take them where they want to go. Uh, they give you 
I don't know, some cash, they give you some sort of module that they've been working on or, mm. or some more information on interesting places to go and explore. You know, that's the sort yeah. of thing I see that would be a really good way for exploration to get a little bit of love. Crash? I, I think the tricky thing is, is, as much as, I mean, David said himself that he would love to have all these really interesting items and those astrological things that we can, uh, astronomical things that we can get to, stellar objects, accretion distance, like, but they're so rare. Just, mm. just like supernovas, they are so rare that yeah. we would barely see any. If we did see any, they, they would be a one-off event like a supernova. And is it really worth the effort of putting that in if only a few people are going to See, uh, play it, you know, and, and that's that's the trouble. Is trying to make something which is really interesting. I would love to see contact binaries and swirling, you know, mm. particle effects of things going. It would look amazing. It would be absolutely awesome. But it, it's trying to balance that. What's worth the time? Versus what are people going to experience? You know? Okay, I mean, re re replace supernova for solar flare. Then, yeah, you know, yeah. that could cool. happen. That, that yeah, could be the sort of thing yeah. where. Um, I mean, it might be to the case, depending on how uh, how random it is, you might say, it's another bloody colony with another bloody solar flare. <laughs> That's uh, you know, <laughs> That's the exploration is like, how do these guys keep on getting into this mess? We're crying out, it's the fourth one this week. Um, Maybe a comet or two. Exactly. So, you know, you need to do a balancing act. But, yeah, I do think that exploration is one of those, those careers at the moment that just needs a little bit more loving. More variation. Ben? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, but I think, and I, I would love to see things like contact binaries and so on, but to give Frontier a wee bit of credit and to have a go at the journalists, they go off and say, you know, NASA will release this little press release saying, yeah. we've got this thing that has one in 10 chance of maybe kind of sort of <laughs> overlapping with another star. And then these journalists read that and say, hey, look, we've got this star inside another star. No, it's like their error bars are about that wide. <laughs> and that, that annoys me about just online journalism for for sort of uh, star, star things and things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you'd want it to be realistic, so you wouldn't want well, Frontier jumping more. on every single Daily Mail article on astronomy that's uh, going. <laughs> we seem to be giving the Daily Mail a really hard time this day, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent, thanks very much, Sam. Wow, another giant to the microphone. Hello, is it Ian, uh, Commander Splendor. Uh, just to follow on on the exploration, uh, so I, the there's a lot of focus on the big bodies, the planets, the stars, but what I'd like to see is a lot more of the small bodies adding into systems. Mm -hmm. We've got we've got the basics of sort of asteroid belts, which are just little patches of rock, but it's all the things like comets, uh, rogue moons, just floating around in weird orbits. Um, we've I don't know how many the thousands bodies that have been mapped in our own solar system. And yet we can only visit well, about 20 of them in game at the moment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're so demanding. <laughs> Just the um, one what would you like? I mean, you can visit them. Um, what would you like to do with this? Is sound dodgy? What would you like to do with them? <laughs> well, there's an. Uh, just look at them, basically. <laughs> okay, so that doesn't take much development. You can just stare at it. But what about things like... Um, well, in future, the, when the, uh, there's more options for mining. So an MB4 mining machine and things like that. Also, uh, the, the opportunity maybe to uh, sort of scoop the tail of a comet. Like it. Okay, that's a nice idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that uh, we talked about in development that hasn't yet made it into the game is things like hidden pirate bases, mm -hmm. you know, asteroid pirate bases that was definitely there in the in the development cycle, uh, yet to be implemented. I mean that you had to, 
that you had to actually search out yourself or get get a contact get they a would contact. give you a navigation point and suddenly it would be there in the ring that would, that would be awesome that yeah so that was certainly one of the things that we were, we were looking at uh, in the development cycle so i mean is it just things that you want to stare at or things that you'd like to interact with that uh, you'd want to see ultimately yes things to interact with but if you, but having the smaller bodies there means that there's then more options to do thing, other things with them later it's very much like the the rings are there and they they're filled with thousands of individual bodies which yes, aren't necessarily persistent, but uh, are at least consistent. If they could do a similar sort of thing for other uh, sort of free flow bodies within the system, um, your clouds beyond, yeah. things like that. I mean, that's a great, that's a great point. And uh, certainly um, that opens the door to unique items as well. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, in the development cycle, we've been talking about the, the authors having particular things from their stories injected into their particular systems. It would be nice to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of variety um, into the landscape, the stuff that you'd actually visit a system to go to see, other than obviously three stars that are red that are closer together than the next system over. But I mean, I, all these things I think are you know, things nice to have, stuff that I think will come eventually. They're, yeah, they're, they're natural uh, evolutions of the game. Next question. Thank you very much. Sorry, a round of applause for Ian. Thank you, Ian. Well, that, Hold that, on a second. What, what, what's going to happen? We asked for people to go up to the microphone like half an hour ago, and none of you were standing up. Now we've got 10 minutes to go. We've got a massive queue. <laughs> you know. At least the, this queue now is in order of height, so that suits me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Next question. Hello, uh, Stephen Usher. Um, well, following on for that, um, quickly, um, actually doing detailed scans of objects as in be able to do surface scans flying over them would be a nice extension. But anyway, going on to the Galnet News and the web app, the, the, the app that's on for tablets and things. Yep. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way of doing the Galnet News on the app? That, that app hasn't been updated for, what, six months or more? Yeah, intentionally so. They, 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 they pulled development for it um, because they didn't really, um, what was the explanation? They, they weren't sure what direction they wanted to take it. So rather than, yeah, rather so than put, doing an API, aren't they? Well, they were going to do an API. There was various things. I mean, we can ask them at the, at the Q&A session, but I think basically they were going to take it in a different direction. And rather than spend time investing on development, they, they've, they've shelved it until they knew exactly what they wanted to do with it, and they'll bring it back when they've got a, a clear vision for it. But yeah. I didn't say it, but yeah, the Galnet news on the app for me would be the easiest way for me to sit in meetings and do no work. <laughs> there is a website, obviously, that you can get on your on your tablet, but um, something like the app, something that makes it a little bit more interactive, maybe something that gives you access to the power play side of things on the on the tablet um, would allow me to do less work at work and more looking at Frontier when I'm supposed to be doing work. Yes, especially as it knows where you are located in the galaxy, so it could give you the local news as well. Which, which has happened. There, there, there are a few uh, local news items that have appeared, but they seem to have dried up recently. Yeah, no, ag agreed. Anybody else got a point on that? Yeah, good point. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, our, our Swedish friend, hello, sir. Hey, guys. Introduce yourself, tell you where we're from. Yeah, so it's uh, Commander Eirik here from Alma, Sweden. Visiting my second year and having a good time. Congratulations. Thank you. One of the people that's traveled the furthest to come to LaveCon. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, so I didn't know if I'm going to ask this question now or later, but I felt that start with it here. Because we, 
you started the discussion about Galnet and uh, the way it's, for me, it's all UX, kind of the experience of how it's done. And the reason why I want to talk about it is just because the, the whole way of when PowerPlay hit and the Galnet newsfeed, the PowerPlay newsfeed, it's just out of game because you start it, it's a new thing that starts. Whereas with the old thing, when you landed in a station, you got this hologram kind of thingy. Yep. And for me, you know, as a UX working with UX people, for me that is just wrong. You know, <laughs> uh, it just hurts to see that. You know, and, and it scared me a little bit because I've loved all the work and everything's been very nicely polished. Even when I started out the alpha, I almost fell off my chair, going like, "Is this really alpha?" You know, and and that just kind of scared me a little bit, and wanted to highlight this thing of being like, "Please, you know, if you release something, think of it in game." and not something that pulls you out of it. Because I would love reading the Galnet news, but if I'm flying or doing anything and do this, that, I have no clue what's happening in the background. And I don't even know if lasers start shooting at you or <laughs> if I have my sound turned off, you know. So uh, yeah, so that was just the, the idea, the topic. Good point, guys. Yep, yep. agree. Well, maybe, maybe make it a bit more holographic or something like that. It's like a, a virtual newspaper in front of your screen to pick up or something. Or about a bit No, the, the whole thing is about the text-to-speech. Text-to-speech technology has come on so far in recent years. That's got to be something relatively similar to sort of, you know, gal, net, news. It's, we're, we're long past that now. I, which I want the Brian Blessed voice pack reading me gal, net, news. Gal, net, news! <laughs> well, just me. Surely not. Oh, breaks out in rave today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for, for me, yeah. I was more thinking, like, even if it's just a transparent border around yeah. it, it just at least gives you the feeling that you're not jumping from one thing to a black screen and you're like, yeah. where is this yeah. black screen? You know, if you want to be in immersive. <laughs> Excellent. Just something. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Eric, thank you. <laughs> just, uh, just going to your point about Brian Blessed, we, we couldn't get Brian Blessed to do this. Brian Blessed turns up in absolutely everything. Um, radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Yeah, you can't get every corner of the galaxy. He will do pretty much anything. <laughs> he will. So. Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. So, we do have uh, Brian Blessed ringtones at Lave Radio as well. So, just to show that Brian Blessed will do pretty much anything for very little money. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gordon's alive! Uh, Yes, is alive. Uh, next question, sir. Um, Douglas, Commander Palando. In PowerPlay, you've got this lovely game of um, competing powers and deciding which systems to prepare and expand. And nine-tenths of the people uh, aren't in communication with any others doing it, and they're just picking <clears throat> the closest system, and it's... Uh, seemingly achi not achieving what you intended to achieve when you made it. And I'm interested in what your thoughts have been so far on ways to modify that. Hmm. For instance, you, you have um, the elite forums, uh, you've got Galnet. Have you considered having um, power-specific uh, Galnet streams, having 
a, a, a forum which only someone pledged to a particular power can read and links to that from the... Uh, to, to make it more integrated, you know, I don't know if you're ever looking at going into um, player-initiated missions and staking bounties for others to claim, but some sort of interaction where a group of people can give a hint, say, don't prepare one, that one, prepare this one. What's your thoughts on providing more interaction for the nine-tenths who haven't yet so gone and joined a, a clan or whatever specific to their power? I'm going to have to hand this one over to, uh, to Crash, because I could see you talking, but I was far too busy admiring your beard to actually listen to what you were saying. <laughs> so, John, pick it up on that, it's, please. Uh, it's something that's been considered the, 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 to create... Uh, <laughs> excellent. He's up his game. Uh, uh, to create uh, power-specific threads in the forum and something which is locked to a specific user. So it is something that we'd like to do to encourage that communication, because that is the key thing, is, is to get people to, to work together to that end goal. So we want to make that happen. As, yes, PowerPlay is, is one of those things that is amazing fun when you are working with a group of people. Yes. And it's when you're using the likes of TeamSpeak, you're, you're, you're kind of going, right, okay, look, that system's under crisis, let's go there, and you all fly in together, you all meet up there and you tackle the goals, and you go, right, let's go and destabilise that. And the problem, as you say, is without a common thread of organisation, your power is doing, it's just treading water. Yeah. So you're never going to expand, and you're never going to manage, and everyone's going to the same systems and reinforcing it because they don't know and they're not coordinated. So I think, yeah, some way of being able to bring people together in that power is going to make power play far more uh, attractive because there's a lot of lone players out there that don't have access yeah. to TeamSpeak. So you, you can reassure me that's on the to-do list. I we can't, can't reassure you of anything apart from the fact that we're going to ask the developers if it's on the, the to-do list. Well, what we'll do is I shall write this down on a to-do list. <laughs> Just for you. I, I don't know if it's going to make any difference. Thank you very much indeed, mate. And no pressure at all, but we are literally wrapping up because the, uh, the Frontier crew have uh, wandered into the room. So this is going to be our final question. Make it a good one. Hi, um, so my name is Premek. I'm Commander Matthias Shallowgrave in game. Um, and just wanted to touch briefly on black markets and the, um, how um, kind of pretty much basic they feel at the moment. Um, they kind of located um, in contact... Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> they are located um, in official contacts um, menu in the station right next to, you know, to, to, the, to the security contacts. Um, it just feels wrong to, to have. And I think there is so much potential um, in that contact um, in a game to have that um, kind of expanded upon, um, you know, you could search for, for certain um, contacts in yeah. game, trying to find out where the black market is. Yeah. Um, uh, you could have loads of different missions um, with, with black markets as a, as a, as a background. Um, so, and this aspect of the game um, stayed pretty much the same since um, it's been re released. Um, and even before, I think, the same, the same since Premium Beta, that's when I've joined the game. Um, so, um, I just think that could use a little bit more love that particular part. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, and again, we've got to harp back to uh, what we saw in the original DDFs and stuff in terms of building up contacts and the black markets and pirate bases and asteroids and yeah, hidden things for, for people to discover. Um, 
it's one that uh, I think as a panel we would all love to have. It's one of the ones that I'm hoping that someone, if, it if nobody does, I'm going to ask Sandy uh, about it uh, in about five minutes' time. Uh, in terms of building up contacts and having a bit more um, sort of variety in terms of these sort of black markets and having a bit more variety for the pirates and, and smuggling and yeah, building up contacts and contacts and reputations within these particular sort of sort of minor factions as opposed to going to the bulletin board and going, I would like to sell some illegal contraband, please. Press button. <laughs> Hello. Do you know, do um, you know the thing though, that when we get out of cockpit, it's going to be even more interesting when you have to go down the bar and start, you know, putting credits on the table and sort of chatting up people and then they say yeah follow me down this way right? through these air ducts no no it's fine it's completely safe. I'm taking to the black market and then you sort of wake up in hospital hold on a second hold on Back you want to have some sort of strange chat up mini game in the bar system <laughs> Absolutely. that doesn't sound like my, my elite dangerous <laughs> Excellent. Well, guys, that worked brilliantly. A massive thank you to everybody that uh, that had questions. Um, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio, a special episode of Lave Radio live from LaveCon 2015. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. Facebook, we are forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzle 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can join the TeamSpeak server where commanders come and hang out. We are laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Thanks to all the panel. They've, some of them have wandered off, but we've got Grant, we've got Lisa, we've got Ben, we've got John, uh, we've got Mr. Stabler, and also Mr. Jarvis and Mr. Stroud. And finally, a massive, massive thank you to all the audience here at LaveCon 2015. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> So until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous.